Good morning. Today on the show, we're talking mind-body connection with Veronique Eberhardt, owner of Joyous Living, who is back on the show today. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Emmy. Yes. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, everybody. So what role does the mind have in the health and healing of the body? This is what we're going to chat about today because there's all kinds of amazing information out there. So we're going to really kind of dive into that. And I'm, I'm really excited because this is a topic that I actually absolutely love and it's super important. So good morning to the Thrive Life community. Thank you for joining in today live from the ACU of Texas studios. I hope you're having a fabulous morning so far because we're about to have an even better one as we get into this conversation. So we are glad you are here with us today. I am your host, Amy Robison, nutrition consultant and owner of My Life Delicious. And I hope you are ready to power up your life and health with our Thrive in Five. Here's Amy with this week's Thrive in Five. All right. So this is your five-minute health spot of the week for tips, tricks, and resources. So I'm getting back on track talking about the documentary Cooked, which is on Netflix. And it has been actually for almost two years now. It's been out since 2016. So this is by Michael Pollan, who is the author of The Omnivore's Dilemma. And it is a fabulous documentary series. There's four parts to it. And it's basically talking about kind of the history of cooking and how things got started, how things have changed. And this particular week, it was about water. And I'm not really going to talk about what he was going into about cooking with water, because that was actually a very small part of it. Mostly what he was talking about was the food industry. So I think that's a much better place for us to discuss today, because there's so much that has happened over, let's just say, the last hundred years and how the food industry has kind of, I want to use the word, infiltrated our lives and changed like literally. Water. Yes, like water. <laughs> See, I knew we could get it in there. <laughs> That was awesome. <laughs> so it has infiltrated our lives like water and changed literally the way that we eat, the way that we cook, the way that we think about food. And so I thought that was such an important thing because a lot of people don't really know what the history is behind this change to an industrialized food system. So usually we think of, oh, well, when women went back to work and they weren't cooking as much and in the kitchen, that's when it all started. And that's not actually the case. It really started after World War II. So during World War II, they had come up with all of these, you know, very processed foods to feed the troops in the field. So they were quick, easy, packaged, processed food. And so there was actually a surplus once the war was over. And so what do they want to do? Well, they want to sell it to the public. They don't want to throw it away. They want to make a profit off of it. So they started selling it to the public. And some of the ways they did this at first, it was mostly like canned food. So we weren't at the TV dinner stage yet. So it was like the canned foods. I don't know if any of you remember the canned fruit cocktail when you were kids. Mm. Terrible stuff. <laughs> but they would kind of market it as you can take this fruit cocktail and you can use it multiple different ways to make your time in the kitchen much faster. So you can use it for breakfast in the morning. You can put it in your coleslaw um, over roast which sounds completely disgusting, or freezing in the freezer and using it as a dessert. So that was kind of how it initially started with these little things to make your time in the kitchen a little bit faster. Then from there, they went into what we would call like those hyper-processed foods, which would be your TV dinners. And then, of course, the marketing was geared towards the busy housewife. Let's make your life a little bit easier. Oh, and I think it said... There was, a, there was actually a commercial that they showed from probably the 1950s, and it was talking about 
women actually being able to be a part of the world and know what was going on and that husbands were spared from often terrible cooking in the kitchen. It's like, oh my gosh, that's so awful. But basically that's kind of where this started. So it wasn't just, it actually wasn't kind of that switch of women being in the workforce. It was really started because of a surplus of processed food after the World War II. So that's kind of where this started to come in. Now, industrial foods, processed foods are highly profitable. So it's mu- there's much more money being made off of processed yeah, foods. They don't spoil. Exactly, because they don't spoil. And it, they rather take space. They exactly. Rather mm-hmm. than doing like growing food and producing it that way is more expensive than mm-hmm. just making some processed weird concoction mm-hmm. with a bunch of chemicals. And of course, you know, part of what they want to do is they want us to eat more of it. So it is very much engineered to be extremely highly palatable palatable by using you know salt and sugar and fat and not good fat by the way so they're using all of those foods to make it hyper palatable but also extremely addictive so i know we've had this conversation multiple times about willpower yeah. and how there there are some things that are kind of stacked against you here it's Absolutely. not just you no, no. not being able to make a good decision no, no. those foods mm-hmm. are designed for you to crave Absolutely. them it's palatability yes and, uh, yeah and you're right i mean we just hooked yeah we're yeah. just hooked and it is by design yeah. because you know the biz when a corporation prepares food for you they're not doing it with the interest of making a good product for you they're yeah. doing it in the interest of owning a business wanting to make a profit, which I don't have a problem with businesses Mm -hmm. wanting to make a profit, but they want to make a profit. And the way that they do that is to sell more food. Yeah. And and when you talk about them, that's not the topic of today, but just people to realize how, how really what, what we are up against. This is uh, the Reagan era. We decided that a food company or like agriculture became a corporation. Yeah. And corporation, before that, it was the food industry was there to feed the world. That's it. When you become a corporation, what is the goal of a corporation? Is to make money. Exactly. And the only way you can make money is by having your client buy more and more and drink more and more of your stuff. Yes. And to have people drink more and more, you need to, to hook them. Yeah. Because there is physiologically a moment where we stop eating. Yes. And what we see right now is that people don't know when to stop eating. Yes. There is no way we can know how to stop eating because it's like we're just hooked. It's like we don't know when to stop drinking. We don't know when to stop with drugs. We don't know. We, the body is totally messed up. It is completely messed yeah. up. And again, from the food industry perspective, that is by design. So because a lot of them are high sugar content, Absolutely. they're high carbohydrate con- mm-hmm. content. And what happens? That's real quick energy. So you get that up. Then you go, the energy dips back down. So what do you do? You reach for more. Absolutely. And then the energy goes back down and you reach for more again. Yeah. So it is this just vicious cycle of... Of Absolutely. us constantly reaching for this quick, easy food, mm-hmm. and they know what they're doing with the savvy mm-hmm. marketing of, you know, you're busy, just let us cook for you. Well, you don't have mono and diglycerides in your cabinet, no. right? I, at least I hope not. <laughs> So when, an, when a corporation cooks for you... Oh, glutamate. I mean, you might exactly, have that. You might. But I mean, I, I can't imagine you'd have like a, you know, a bottle of glutamate <laughs> sitting, in your, sitting in your, you know, pantry waiting for you to pour it on something. So when they cook for you, mm-hmm. they do not use the same ingredients that you would choose for yourself yeah. cooking at home. Or you don't put acid citric so that exactly. you can add sugar because there is a level of sugar you cannot stand anymore. Yeah. Unless there's enough citric acid yeah, to balance drink, that to out. balance out. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And you're you're not at home, you know, injecting your chicken with a sugar solution to give it more flavor and keep it, you know, 
hydrated. <laughs> Always, I hope you're not doing that. I mean, I know people do, you know, injections for like marinades and things like that, but I, most people are probably not doing a sugar solution <laughs> injection into their chicken because it sounds really gross. But if you go buy those little rotisserie yes. chickens that are sitting mm-hmm. there all hot and looking really gross and dried out, at least to me, I, I totally used to buy these. So just FYI, I thought it was the greatest thing ever at one point until I realized like what they actually are. Mm-hmm. But they will, sh- they will do sugar and salt injections oh, into those God. to keep them hydrated and to give them more flavor but it's it's just junk it's chemicals it's just a bunch of crap and you're so you're you're buying a chicken but you're actually eating sugar yeah it's amazing it's amazing to me yeah and you know Amy it's funny because we talked about that and when we decided to talk about journeying here today Mm -hmm. the thing that propelled that is when I told you about my experience of coming to United States when I was in my 20s I grew up in France where we know what real food is. You know, we would go to the market, buy the vegetable in the evening before my mom would say, what do we eat tomorrow? I have this vegetable. She bring the vegetables out of the fridge. We all chop, mm-hmm. prepare, pre-cook. The next day we have a couscous, so we have a pulopo, whatever it is. You know, we have a dish for the next day. We were not very rich, so we had to prepare the food. Yeah. We could not buy steaks. We could not buy easy food. We had to have this less expensive piece of meat mm-hmm. and to prepare them, which was actually delicious. And then here I am coming to United States, I'm 24 years old. I, ha- I knew what real food was, but I had no idea what really, I knew what protein and carb were, were and fat was. I knew, mm-hmm. I had an idea of what it was, but I had no idea that you could feed yourself with powders. Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea, yeah. you know, I was, I never had problem with weight, I was eating, then I was in the summer, I was moving more, I was losing weight, in the winter I was packing a bit of weight, losing in the summer, regular yeah, cycle. Yeah, regular cycle. Arrived right yeah. in the United States, start my first diet. Oh, wow. My first, lymph- <laughs> my first lymphas diet. Didn't need it, lost 20 pounds. Yeah. Became so skinny that, you know, I yeah. had no cycles, no mm-hmm. nothing. Completely messed up. Completely yep. messed up. Yep. And it was like such an experience to realize that Yes, they, and then from there, starting to learn everything that you could learn about that. I'm passionate about food and, and all those things. But it was really like, how can you be so much engrossed in the knowledge of what is in your food? Americans know a lot about the food. The mm-hmm. only thing they don't know is how to cook and what's good for them. <laughs> yes, that, that's, it's so true. It, it's it, so th- true. And because it's just... And again, this savvy, savvy marketing, exactly. they, they want you to be confused about what to do Yeah. because then you go the simple route and you buy yeah. their own product It is not in their best interest for you to cook at home. No. They consider that an obstacle to you buying their food. So they want to make it as simple yeah. as possible, as palatable as possible and say, Hey, you don't need to cook. Let us do the work for you. You're busy. It's messy to cook. It's hard to cook. Yeah. Let us just take care of that for you. It's really no problem. So, we got you. Yeah. So on top. Of, on top of the actual chemical like uh, reality that we ingest and that who cares? We mm-hmm. also have all the belief system that we grew up as a very little, that yes. the whole society is like day after day, we, uh, publicity after publicity, yep. every all the time telling us this is messy, this is dirty, this is gross. Yeah. I hear that all the time. This food is gross. What? Half of the world is eating that food. Yeah. It cannot be that gross. Exactly. You know, this is, this is, I don't like to cook, I long to do that. So that's really also the, the mental. It the, is. The mental um, is really messed up. Yes, absolutely. And we're going to talk more about that mm-hmm. mind-body connection here mm-hmm. when we come back. 
Welcome back, Thrive Live community. Glad to be back with you this week. And of course, Veronique is back with me on the show this morning. Welcome back. Well, thank you so much. Yes, always glad to have you. We always have some amazing conversations. So we kind of started out discussing the Cooked documentary series, which I'm doing for your Thrive in Five and just giving you some more resources. It's a really amazing documentary series, four parts. So I'll be doing the next two over the next two weeks, just talking about cooking really I mean at the basics and where we're at now why we got away from it you know the different aspects of cooking it's a really really interesting each segment is about an hour long so I highly recommend checking it out but we talked about more the industrial side of food processing this morning and I think it's an interesting topic and important topic to kind of talk to you about because most people don't know how we got here and why we got away from cooking we just kind of think it's because we were busy and all of that kind of stuff but that journey really kind of has woven around through you know corporations and through industry who's gotten us here rather than our own choices really truly so we've kind of gotten away from that so you know kind of speaking of journey and starting to make that connection between you know what we're seeing and what's going on in the body we're going to really kind of go into mind-body connection today it's such a good topic such an important topic because most of us don't we don't connect here. (laughs) It's one or the other. Either it's all body, it's just the body's in control, or it's all mind and the mind's in Mm -hmm. control. And so we want to kind of discuss in, you know, in some of our own processes of getting to the point where those things start to connect and how and why that's important for you and how it can really change your life when you start to go down that road. So I would love for you just to kind of share, you know, why that's an important topic for you. Oh, that's a big question. It's a big question (laughs) because there's probably multifaceted. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I I do have, I mean, journaling is a fascinating um, part of my reality. It's a fascinating part of everybody's reality. We're all journeying. Absolutely. And we, most of us don't really know why, what we're doing uh, on this earth. Uh, For me, it's been um, interesting to see many themes interwoven in my life. Mm -hmm. And food and nutrition and health is one big big theme then the other theme is the my artistic life because I've, I've been on stage and I was an artist for so many many years which propelled me I was being healthy because I was seeing myself as an artist and as a singer classical singer I just could not get sick I could not have mm. my kids get sick I just mm-hmm. uh, you know if I don't show at a concert I'm just not paid if yes. I don't have my client I'm not paid uh, and that was what it was the next uh, thing that was my spiritual journey that was coming through through uh, in this journeying. So all that is coming to was coming together, like my growth and why. Uh, what is it that people again as a singer perceive of me when I'm on stage? What are people perceiving from me that I'm not in control of? This mm. all these vibration that I send out and that people are telling me. I think. You know, I, I thought I was giving up a certain vibration, a certain things, and they would come in to me after a concert, and clearly they had perceived something completely different. Mm. And I knew that something that, that was something that was outside of my control, and that I need to dig into that. And then my fourth journey, which it's my physical journey uh, through the space, I mean, through this earth, I would say being born in Germany, uh, sorry, being born in France, I'm not want to mess you up because you said, <laughs> oh, I knew she was German, I'm French, <laughs> but I married a German guy. You know, living in Switzerland, living in Germany, living in Canada, moving to the States at an early age and coming back like 30 years later. Uh, So this is a journey that has uh, many implications. The physical journey is important because you see things from every place's perspective. 
when you learn that someone else is, is doing things that you thought there were only one way to do. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> only one way to, you yeah. have only one way to eat raw carrots in France. You grate <laughs> them and you put olive oil and, uh, and lemon juice. Really? So you, you don't eat carrot sticks? No, you don't with, eat, you ca- know, ranch dressing. No, you don't do that. <laughs> this is, you know, like the small carrots. It's for yeah. rabbits. A friend of mine told me that. I was like flabbergasted. But, you know, in France, you grate your carrots and then you put a vinaigrette. And vinaigrette, you do it yourself, please. You know, <laughs> that's how we do it. You don't, you don't just go to the store and get a bottle of some <laughs> concoction on the Well, maybe they do that now, but I don't even want to know what they do because France is being also going down the drain with food, but that's the way it is. Anyway, uh, so, and then you realize that the rest of the world is actually eating carrot sticks. You yeah. know, so this is a small funny thing. That is, but it is a funny thing. Like, wait a minute. But it's like when you start to question a yeah. small thing in your life, like how you educate kids in France, it's very different than in Germany, very different than in Canada, very different than the United States. Then you realize there is not one truth. There is not one way to do things. There is just what is good for me, mm-hmm. what works for me, what I understand, what is, you know. And then, and then we learn to open our eyes and to open our hearts. And then we learn that the, the, the journey is, is very, very deep. So um, that has been really, for me, like what, what is uh, part of me always saying, well, there is, no, you know, people make people mad because I said there is no truth. Truth doesn't exist. That's only the truth that you have for yourself. That's only the truth. I mean, it really, truly is. There is nothing, you know, it's all, everything is, it's not black or white. It's not good or bad. It depends what you want to do with that. Mm -hmm. You know, if you want to, whatever, everything we, we do in life is a choice. So this is really something that I've learned. So if we want to go back to my health journey that we were starting with that and don't want to mess you up too much is... Arriving in the United States when I was in my 20s and I really starting to do the first diet, lose weight and have a relation to my body that got very different. I was modeling to make mm-hmm. money. I was, uh, you know, discovering this body of mine that I was, I was getting in a, in a, in a culture which is very first chakra. Mm. The body. Right. United yes, States is very physical. Mm-hmm. It's very um, um, materialistic. A lot more than where in Europe where I was coming from, where we had, you know, education and speaking and, uh, and knowing how to present yourself and, and having and knowing what to say on every subject is very important in France. In America, I was in a very first chakra culture. Mm. You know, how you look. That would be a very big difference. A, yeah. v- a huge difference. Yeah. How you look, what you have, what you do is very important, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was, it was, I didn't, I could not put words on that. But I just know that it was very, very, uh, very, uh, it has a big effect on me. Was there a really, like, a, so, you know, you, when you first came here, you did your first diet, you said you did the slim fast diet. Was there a concept of dieting in France or was that yes, just, of course, you know, yeah. of course. The concept of dieting in France is you have a big, let's say you have a birthday uh, dinner or you have a big meal on Sunday, mm-hmm. typically. Well, you feel a bit bloated. So <laughs> on the Monday, you have like what we call a bouillon, which mm-hmm. is, you know, a liquid soup mm-hmm. with broth. It's a broth. Yeah. Basically, broth and in my family because we're from southern France we would have broth with um, garlic um, bouillon lai. that's what we had broth with so the next day we would not eat mm-hmm. that really was our concept of dieting or we would have you know days so you feel so you are in contact with your body 
that way yeah. you know one day i eat too much christmas is a crazy time then for a few days we just like slow yeah. it down so it's more about like listening to what your body is saying exactly. and then making adjustments exactly based on that as opposed exactly. to oh well i feel really crappy and bloated let me just go ahead and but i need to eat so i'm just going to go ahead and eat all yeah. of the foods i would normally eat and yeah. just continue to yeah. feel terrible and there is something about, i've done that before so i yeah, totally i know i know <laughs> and then i did that. and there is something that is very fascinating I, i've relearned all that afterward mm. like 30 years later but what something which is very interesting that we don't have guilt when we eat we eat because we have a glass of wine there is no guilt mm. and the day after we stop eating and we don't think okay what should i eat i have to eat because i know that when i was saying what i was saying earlier we really think a lot of food in the United we States. Do. We do, yes. We fixate on it. And, yeah. and we think our food and we think, okay, I know that I have to have so many grams of fat and so many grams of protein. And yesterday I had too many, but today I have to have that. And I'm like, oh my goodness, stop it. Listen to your body. Listen to what you want. And I know this is not good for me and that is not good for me and this is good for me. And sometimes we think, okay, I need to have that much meat or that much protein. Your body says no. Mm-hmm. But you, your mind says, I need to have that. Yeah. So that because of like kind of what you were saying, those belief systems, and you know, it's like you had you know, this full plate of food for every meal, and you eat everything that's on that plate, even though your body says, I literally can't do that. I'm going to be sick. Yeah. yeah. Well, or, or on the contrary, I mean, you 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 think you should not eat that, but you're really, 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 really hungry because yeah. you know you had 500 calories for a week, and nobody can go with 500 calories a day for a week. It yeah. Doesn't, it just doesn't work you know so eventually your body is going to kick in and say well you know what i really need food whatever whatever you find whatever and anything and everything you can possibly give me right now and then you have this uh this um this binging Mm -hmm. and then this this problem so food we talk about emotional food emotional eating actually eating should be emotional we should be in touch with our emotions Eating is about joy, it's about togetherness. It's about being in a place where we enjoy our food. Mm-hmm. The problem is that when these emotions are turned into guilt and shame and uh, confusion, and that's where we are here yeah. in the United States, a lot of a us. Lot. Not everybody, but a lot of us. It's so, a very pervasive feeling, it's for a, sure. Yes, yeah. so food is emotional. So to get away, uh, I'm working with emotional food, and that's you know one of my topics, people eating emotionally one of the way people want to get out of emotional eating is that they get into their head Mm. they start to think the food and they are not in their body anymore yes they don't feel it they can't there is no feeling of having enough being full full is is becoming like a big scene when you're full it's like you indulge and if you indulge then you're a bad girl and if you're a bad girl you're going to go to hell yes you know i mean <laughs> it's this, so true this is yes. as, as deep as it gets really so that's uh, the the idea is how can we come back to our emotions and how can we go back to a certain wisdom of our body mm-hmm. and i when i arrived in the state i lost all of that I throw all my Frenchy feelings all of a sudden. United States was a new heaven. Everything was wonderful. People knew so much things. Oh my, my, I had so much to learn. It was like, oh, look, everything that I had learned for the last 24 years, I mean, the first 24 years of my life, was like, it was like outdated. It was old world. It was like, 
Yes. You know, it was like, let me, you know. They, like, I want to be modern I want, with it. Exactly. And, I know. want to be, I want, it's exciting. Yeah. I can, can you believe it? I can have two two um, meal shares, two shakes a day, and then a piece of salad and a piece of cheese in the evening, and then I'll be fine. <laughs> that sounds so awful. <laughs> yeah. But I know. But yes. coming from French food yes. to, you know, right. to f- slim fast, it's quite, it's quite a journey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know, I'm like thinking of like French food and all of the wonderful, you know, luscious and just beautiful things and, you know, just, you know, so satiating and then going to a shake. And that makes me like, that makes my heart hurt. But in your shake, you know how many protein, you know how many carbs, you know how many fats, you know how many vitamins, you know how many fibers, which type of fibers, which type of fat. I mean, it's fantastic. It's so appealing. Yes. And now you have all of this knowledge and you have zero wisdom left. <laughs> I mean, really, truly, you have knowledge and no wisdom. So we're going to talk more about knowledge versus wisdom when we come back. Welcome back, Thrive Life community. Glad to be with you, as always, this morning with Veronique Everhart of Joyous Yay! Living. Woo! Back on the show. We had a pretty fun conversation last little round here, talking a little bit about Veronique's journey from France to here and food and the differences, and but also just these ideas that we have that this is the only way it's done anywhere in the world. Mm-hmm. And then going into kind of the abundance of knowledge that we have now and the Mm -hmm. lack of wisdom and connection to the body that we have. And I think that was really important kind of what you were talking about. We were talking about slim fast shakes that you had when you were in your early 20s, your first diet of the American world. And, you know, you knew all of the, like you said, you knew the protein, you knew the carbs, you knew the fat, you knew the fiber, you knew all of the stuff that was in there, but wasn't really resonating with what your body actually needed. It was just like, this is what you're supposed to do. This is what you're supposed to have. Well, I was not, you know, I was not connected to my body back then. Yeah. I was a very, um, like we talked about the chakra in the first month, but I was very in my spiritual world. I was very, I was a student to become a, you know, I was a student in in voice, so classical voice. And I was uh, very in my spiritual head and like on the top six and um you don't see me because you're on the radio, but I'm putting my, my hand to my six and seven chakras there, which is all the mind and the beautiful connectedness to uh, intuition and to higher self. But my body was not, you know, the, the focus of my life. Right. So you can, when you do that, you can really starve your body. You just are out of, your, out of body. Yes. You know? So in France, <laughs> even though I learned to pay attention to my body as I was eating, it was very easy for me to be in another place and to forget about my body's wisdom mm-hmm. because naturally I was gravitating towards, uh, you know, a higher self and all those things. It was something I was comfortable with. And then when you st- stop eating then it's even easier. It's easier, even though that's interesting, even though I said that, you know, America is very food and first chakra, very materialistic. For me, it was was like the tension between between learning all about food and all about that and in the same time depriving myself, Mm -hmm, depriving myself and, and not being into my body. Yes. And, and I see that a lot. This is really, I see that a lot when I talk about um, uh, emotional eating and, mm-hmm. and the work I do with uh, emotional eating, which is we don't, we maltreat our body, basically. We really, it's body maltreatment. So we don't pay attention to our body. What we do to our body is terrible. <laughs> do we yes. Know? 
It really truly is. Well, because we're getting, again, you know, this abundance of knowledge. Yes. So we're going, everything is based off of the knowledge that's out there. Yeah. And so we don't have that internal wisdom anymore. We do not pay attention yeah. to what our body said. So we completely mistreat the body yeah. because we're yeah. going off of advice yeah. from the outer world and not listening yeah. at all. Yeah. Yes. And uh, what you said in the beginning as well, we're not, we, I mean, we helped in this insanity circle by all these uh, chemicals, products that are hooked us to, to bad food. So here we are putting 20 pounds, losing 20 pounds, putting 50 pounds, losing 50 pounds, uh, putting 100 pounds, and then uh, not moving, not eating what we need to eat, and uh, doing operation after operation. So we, put, we do a gastric bypass, and then, and then we have all the skin you know, falling mm-hmm. apart, so we need to cut the skin. And then it's like, what are we doing to ourselves? Yeah. What, what, and I think the question we have to ask is why? Mm-hmm. When we do that, it, what is the purpose of all of that? What is it that we're trying to suppress? What is it that we're trying to um, to not get in touch with? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I mean, our body is 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 our body such a big deal? This is really the question I'm doing. I mean, you know, we talk about food and your work, Amy, and my work has been to be making people feel happy in their body. But is that such a big deal? I know. Should that really be the main focus? Should that re- Exactly. And it's so interesting, you know, and we talk about this a lot. Even as a nutritionist, I, I keep getting more and more away from food yeah. as being the issue. I, I believe it's important and I think it's a, found, it's a foundational piece. Absolutely. But it, it, it shouldn't be taking over our lives because there's so many more important things yes. that we should really be developing and focusing on food should be simple yeah it should just be taking care of the body yeah so the question we need to ask ourselves is what what is the purpose of all of that and ultimately what is my purpose if I have a purpose what is it that why am I doing that why am I so much concerned about my body that I don't really have time for anything else Mm -hmm. I don't have time to develop my gifts I don't have time to to do what I really want to do. Yeah, I don't have uh, the I don't have the the mental space and the emotional space to really be to, to be sharing my gift to the world, which is actually a very scary thing. Mm-hmm. So as as long as we are focused on our first our body, our first chakra, our really our physical thing there, then you know all our time, all our energy, all our emotions are poured into that um, that. Um, skin of us <laughs> and then yes. all, and the rest is like uh doesn't have time for that anymore yeah i don't have time for me so this is really when i i mean this is really going through 30 years of my life very fast but after my experience in the united states i lived like three years and then come back to europe i had a couple of kids and then came back 30 years later and my experience has been to uh, uh keep take care of my body because I had a mission mm-hmm. or I thought right, I right. thought yeah. my, by, by then my thing was you know and I had to as an artist I had to stay fit or whatever but then I starting to work into community building etc and I came back here and I'm like what is the purpose of that why is it that the body is such a big deal so I did my uh, became a health coach and then when I started coaching people on food 
And I'm like, this is not what these people need. <laughs> yes, this so is true. not. You know, yeah. you know that, Amy. Yes. And 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 some, you know, some people are really gifted in coaching health. It's very important. Mm-hmm. People have to learn. That's the basics. Yes, you they need, need the foundation. You need the Absolutely. foundation. You need to eat clean. I yes. mean, that's there is no other eat alternative. Eat real food. Eat real food. Yes. But then, th- the people I was coaching, they knew. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they know. Yeah, they, they people knew. know. Yeah. And and for me, it was easier to go into the mind from like, what is it that is blocking you? And then now I'm at another level. It's I'm going to the soul level. Mm-hmm. What is it that your your soul is asking you to to do that? And uh, what is it that you really craving for your life? Not what you're thinking. So that's why I work with emotions because mm-hmm. emotions are really what our um, and the manifestation of our relationship with a higher self, right. with a divine or whatever you call it, or it's a manifestation of what you're here on this planet, on this plane, on this planet Earth to do. It's really like for me, it's, it got it got into we need to get in touch with our higher self, respecting our body, mm-hmm. but yes. knowing what is what all what we're doing, what we're doing in our body. What we're doing in our body has a purpose for a different whatever is it that we are here for. We're just not here to torture ourselves. (laughs) We are not on this planet Earth to torture our body. Mm -hmm. So let's get away with real food and with health and uh, let's do that that should not be an issue and let's and when we focus on the purpose when we focus on a higher point then then it's a no-brainer. When we focus, what is it that uh, I have to do? Uh, I loved, I brought here this book, Mind Over Medicine, here, yes. which I love this woman, this woman, because she, she has, she was an MD, and it's um, Lisa Rankin. Uh, Lisa Rankin had, was an MD, and then she really, she had a bit at her high level of yeah. medicine. She was OBYGN, do you say I that? think she was an OBGYN, yes, yes, yes. yes. And yes. then, um, and then she realized that, the that was not what she was called to do because yeah. she had six minutes per client. Yeah. I love the, the, yeah. the story that she told in there. That was kind of one of the eye openers for her is um, one of the patients that she had and she got a letter from her and the patient had gone in there and had all the stuff that she really wanted to connect with her doctor, Dr. Rankin on. And she said the whole, t- she, she, so she, this patient sent this letter to Dr. Rankin and said, the whole time you were standing there, you had your hand on the door ready to leave. And I didn't feel like you would listen to me if I told yes. you what was going on. Yeah. And, you know, you're, you looked disheveled and you looked blank and like you weren't really there. You were just like, okay, what's going on? So you could get on to the next patient. And yeah. she said that that just was such a huge eye opener for yeah. her that, yeah. Uh, this is not what I was meant to do. Yeah, so she had her hand on the on the doorknob. Mm-hmm. We need to get our hand out of the, door. the, the doorknob. Yeah. We need to get settled, get seated, and say, okay, why am I? The doorknob for us, it's really like being hooked to our body. And then, why is it? What else am I supposed to be doing? Where? What is the other space inside of me that is asking? to come out and uh, after like a long long way Lisa Rankin does something that I really love is like she says what is your write your own prescription what mm-hmm. what your own prescri- prescription because she says people know what they have to do yeah. they know why they overeat they know why they are sick they know why they have back pain and when she when we when I say when she says when we say people know it's not conscious right 
you need to do work inside. But if you dig a bit, if you ask a few good questions, very quickly people realize what I really want to do is write a book. Mm -hmm. What I really want to do is go back to uh, art school. What I really want to do is have a child and not having this, you know, uh, happy, rich, and, you know, hippie life. Or whatever bobo we say. In, I don't know what they said that here, bobo, but no. Whatever. I know. Yes, yeah. I know. You know, you know yeah. you're in your 30s and you have all what you want. You have the beautiful car, the beautiful boyfriend, and you have everything is working out for you. You have the job of your dream. But what you really want is a child. Mm -hmm. You know? So what is it that you, your soul is asking for? What is it that we, and, and that's, for me, it's been like, once we have our eyes, a compass, and it doesn't have to be soul searching, it can be, you know, it can be like, just what is your next step? Yeah, it can be simple. Simple. Exactly. It, can it doesn't be, need to be a big, you know, no, grandiose thing. No, it yeah. can be the next step. What, when you have your eyes on your compass, like, do you need to write your next chapter, chapter of your book? Well, then, you know, it doesn't, then you're not spending your whole day sitting on your sofa and, and and eating right you're not yeah because you have you have your why you have your you purpose have your why. You and have like your you purpose. said that becomes like your northern star that becomes exactly. where the, the direction that the compass yeah. is going to go yeah. and that is how you write your own prescription and that's how you write your own prescription yes yeah. yes and we're going to talk more about writing your own prescription and what is the placebo effect and how does it apply yeah, to your life i love that yes coming up Welcome back, Thrive Life community. Glad to be with you again this morning. And Veronique, of course, thank yes. you for coming back this month. Woo! <laughs> so we've had a great conversation. We're really talking about mind-body connection today. And as we were kind of going into the break, we were discussing how you can write your own prescription. And something that both of us really, you know, a topic we are both really interested in is the placebo effect. Yeah. There is, a, this isn't just something, you know, woo-woo and kind of made up. There are There is actual scientific literature and data on the placebo effect and the I don't know this is I don't know if this is the word the realness of it you know yeah. it is an actual thing and so I would love if you would kind of talk about yeah. what the placebo effect is and why you know why it's an important topic for you well placebo effect is when you give a pill a sugar pill to somebody and the, the somebody in question is actually doing better you know right so and this is um one part of my journey has been also in a health journey has been to go from being very sick as 11 years old um really not going to school mm. for half a year and being lying i had a i don't know how you say that in english but anyway um and uh and to going into more chinese medicine and uh, homeopathy and all those things and and i hear all the time oh this is just in your head it's just placebo it's just it's just placebo it's just like it's it's nothing like take a tea and it's going to set to to solve all the problems and there is a lot of of um making fun of that mm -hmm. and uh, this is one thing i read in this mind over medicine uh this was a turning point with me so mind over medicine from lisa rankin I, i read that when i was doing my um certification as a health coach and realized that yes it might be placebo but placebo is fantastic right who cares it, if it's placebo does it work It's exactly placebo <laughs> yeah. means that it's the it's it's uh, going into the the ability of the body to heal itself. Mm -hmm. It's really that's what it is. And if your mother, you know, that when you kiss your the knee of your child, which just fell, 
That's the placebo effect. Yes. You know that if you take your baby in your uh, arm and then you said, well, this is going to go, your body is so strong and your body is going to find a way. Or even if you put a, you know, band-aid or a piece of ointment on on the scrape, on, on on the knees, this is all placebo effect. The child is going, cooling down, the nervous system is cooling down, and then the healing process of the body can do its job. Yes. What I found fascinating in this this book, and I don't want to disappoint you people, <laughs> what I found fascinating is that it's not only like Chinese medicine, it's all medicine yes. is placebo. And there are studies after studies that show that even hip replacement, you can do a sham hip replacement which means that people think that they have really had had a hip replacement um, surgery when they just had like... They, yep, they, they made w- the incisions. They made yeah. the incision, they put the, the person to bed, to sleep, and then they wakes up and then they're told, well, you had a hip replacement mm-hmm. and the person is better. Yes. It's and, and, you know, have you ever had the experience, and Lisa told, tell that, that you have a huge pain, you're really going to die, you know for sure you're going to die. And you, take, you go to the doctor, you arrive at the doctor, the pain is gone. It happens all the time. All the time, and, yeah. And uh, she's really talking about the more caring the health practitioner, uh, practitioner and the more effective the placebo effect is. Yes, it's, it's, it is so interesting that yeah. it's not just the expectation of the patient. Yeah. A lot of times it's also the expectation absolutely. of the practitioner. The, that makes a difference absolutely. for that patient, yeah. which is fascinating yes. to me. Yeah. And it shows our connection to each other. Absolutely. Yes. Because we are, it's all working at the energetic level. Yeah. And, and when you tell a child, when you say, tell to a child, you can do it. I'm sure you can have this exam, you're going to pass it. Then it's going to, the, the child is going to school and going to mm-hmm. be doing a lot better than if you tell him, oh, I know you always had difficulty in this, in this field. And I really, I know, do your best, but mm-hmm. I know that, you know, I'm, I'm okay if you don't make it. Yeah. This is, I mean, you've been study after studies showing that uh, the same group of kids or like the similar group of kids put with a teacher who believe, actually there were mm-hmm. studies there saying, a study, a study yes. this is fantastic. Yes. Where, like say, the teacher told them, you've been chosen because you're the cream of the cream mm-hmm. and we're going to do advanced studies and advanced English, advanced math in this group because you're so good. And and this group is, and another group of children is being told where well, you are, you know, we know you're that. Just you're regular, just regular, you're just regular people. Kids. Yeah. Kids. And the group of kids, which has exactly the same makeup than the other group, mm-hmm. is doing a lot better. Yes, they were randomly yeah. chosen. There yeah. wasn't anything yeah. particularly extra yeah. special about them. They were randomly yeah. chosen. Yeah. And because the expectation of the teacher, yeah. and there was actually another one where the kids had no idea. Yeah. The teacher was told that those kids were extra- Absolutely. extraordinary. Absolutely. But she was told to not show that there was any difference. Yeah. And they still performed better. They still performed better because the teacher, the had, teacher a had the different expectation. expectation. So this yeah. is really what we can talk about the placebo effect uh, in, a, in a bigger way. So you have it on the physical level. It changed the chemistry of your body for, for real. Yeah. This is, ladies and gentlemen, it's real. It's not just in your head. It changed the chemistry in your body. Yes. And even if you know it's a sugar pill, even if you know it's placebo, 
it works. This is the craziest thing about it. Even, <laughs> I agree. You know, I, yeah. t- I take homeopathy all the time and I have a headache and I said, okay, I don't have the right, the right pill. I'm going to take this one. It's going to work as well. And it works. I mean, who cares? At least I don't have headaches. Yeah. You They're know, gone. Yeah. It's gone. It's gone. So whatever it is, whether it's real or whether it's placebo, it doesn't make a difference. But for me, what is fascinating is to put that at the, at the mind and at the soul level. Because you can also heal people's mind by trusting that they can heal, and by as a, as a coach and as a, you know as a coach, I'm not a healer, but I'm in a def- definitely in a, a thera- therapeutic therapeutic relationship with mm-hmm. my clients, and definitely the belief that I have that they can that can do better, that they can grow, that they can yes, you can do this business, yes, you can get rid of those beliefs, and I have that belief deep inside of me and I know it's happening this is the, the confidence and the, this relationship is miraculous yes it's also but you know it's it's working like wonders and the, the contrary of do we have time to go into the nocebo effect we no. have about 30 seconds okay so I'm just <laughs> going to let you go there and uh, Amy, sorry we could I know I'm almost wishing we would have started that the second segment because there's yeah. so much we could talk about it and clearly we yeah. are both very passionate about yes. that subject so we might have to bring that up again next month we kind will. of go deeper into That's it. That's already the end. Yeah, oh I know. Yeah. We're really 20 seconds. <laughs> Veronique, thank you so much for joining me today. This was fantastic. Everybody, Joyous Living, you can go to joyousliving.me, correct? Yes. Um, or to her Facebook page. Please join us next Tuesday night at Preamble Craft House and Lounge for Vinyl Draft 32 featuring the music of Oasis. We are going to have an amazing evening. I will see you all next week. Have a fabulous